0: Chapter 8 of Life of Saint Gerard Magella. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Life of Saint Gerard Magella by Reverend O. R. Vassal Phillips. Chapter 8 His Visits to the World the supernatural gifts of saint gerard and his great reputation for sanctity caused frequent applications to be addressed to his superiors that he might be permitted from time to time to visit friends of the congregation in various towns of the locality such visits are as we have already observed contrary to all custom but every law has its necessary exceptions thus in this case after great difficulties had at first been raised, the desired permission at length was freely given. On the one hand, the position of the applicants in many instances was such that it would have been hard always to refuse them. On the other hand, even the strictest superior might well shrink from the responsibility of keeping Brother Gerard within convent walls, when the good of souls outside seemed to cry aloud for his presence in their midst. Indeed, it is not too much to say that Gerard sanctified every spot which he visited. His coming was like a mission for the people. The house that was privileged to receive him as its guest was daily besieged by persons drawn from all classes of society. Crowds might be observed at all hours gathered round about him and hanging eagerly on the words that fell from his lips. Such, as we may again and again observe in the annals of the church's story, is the mysterious magnetic attraction of the saints of God upon the souls of men. Strange as it may sound, not only lay people, but priests and even bishops vied one with another in their anxiety to obtain the advice of this lowly lay brother. Saint-Gerard was frequently consulted both on the personal perplexities of individual consciences and also on abstruse questions of dogmatic theology. Advice, wise, clear, and always most practical, he refused to none who sought his aid. On the most sublime mysteries of our holy religion, he spoke as one inspired, for he was in truth a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost yet also received that which is known as the gift of infused knowledge in abundant measure. Those who listened to the burning words of this poor brother, uneducated in secular learning, but so deeply versed in the wisdom that comes from heaven, could only praise God who had de- hidden his divine secrets from the wise and prudent to make them known to the pure and simple of heart. That Gerard was a great saint could be doubted by none who were conversant with his unearthly ways and heavenly endowments. He appeared to live in an atmosphere of marvel. The very air he breathed seemed redolent of the supernatural. Strong men would tremble, awe-stricken at the nearness of the all-knowing spirit of God as Gerard read the inmost recesses of their hearts. Oftime, it was known by the result, that the future had been even as the present to his illumined gaze. To work miracles through love for his fellow creatures, out of heartfelt compassion for them in their various trials and afflictions, was his daily bread. Yet it was not this rich accumulation of divine gifts that struck the imagination of men or appealed to their highest and noblest feelings so forcibly as the spectacle of the Christ-like virtues and recompense for which those gifts were given. An emissary of Satan can disguise himself as an angel of light, and may even counterfeit the miracles of the saints. But the humility, sweetness, voluntary poverty, charity, peace, these are unmistakable in their origin, and these, exercised in an heroic degree, were conspicuously the graces that adorned the beautiful soul of Gerard. Dear to God and dear to man, none could resist his gentle sway and great were the conversions that he worked for Jesus Christ his master. Corato, his native city of Muro, Castel Grande, Melfi, are the names of the places where his stay would seem to have been productive of the most permanent results. These little towns, according to trustworthy testimony, were altogether changed by his presence in their midst. God was pleased to show by a manifest sign on his first entrance to Corrado that he was with his servant Gerard. It had been arranged by his superiors that he was to stay in the house of a gentleman named Papaleo. As the saint had never been to Corrado before, he had no idea where his host lived. So he let the bridle fall loosely on the horse's neck and abandoned himself to the hands of divine providence. The faithful animal went on quietly until it came to the house of Papaleo when it entered the courtyard. Can you tell me where Don Papaleo lives, asked Gerard, on seeing that they had come to a standstill. Why, brother, here you are, was the answer he received. The saint then dismounted, thanking God the while. He was summoned to Castle Grande in order to put an end to a terrible feud which was the scandal of the town. Some years previously, a young man had been killed in a quarrel. His parents cherished a hatred dark and deadly towards him who they regarded as the murderer of their son. After two interviews, Gerald at length succeeded in persuading the poor father to sacrifice his desire for revenge and even to promise that he would publicly reconcile with the man who was guilty of his son's death. Meanwhile, full of gratitude to God for his success, Gerard was called away on other business to Muro what then must have been his pain and dismay on returning after a few days to discover that in his absence all his work had been completely undone to all appearance once more it was useless to interfere all prospect of reconciliation had seemingly vanished into the grave of buried hopes matters were even more serious than they had been before his first arrival on the scene the man's wife infuriated at the news that her husband had promised to forgive the enemy of his house had brought him the blood-stained garments of their dead child, which she had always carefully preserved. Then, in a terrible paroxysm of mingled grief and rage, she had appealed to the unhappy father. By all the memories which that sight recalled, was he going to be so base as to make friends with the murderer of their poor boy? Yes, she continued, might well he gaze at all that blood still did it cry aloud to heaven for vengeance a vengeance upon which alas it had not yet been hers to feast her eyes pardon such a wretch never to her dying day these wild and wicked words had their effect to his grief gerard recognized the fact that the last state of that man in the sight of god was far worse than his first yet steeled himself sternly against every appeal that could be made. It seemed quite useless to speak to him. Forgive he would not. His anger was implacable. Still, the saint was not to be refused. He knelt down before the injured parents, laid his crucifix on the ground by his side, and asked them "Were they prepared to trample on their Savior's wounds. This they do who will not forgive. All, however, was as yet in vain. Their hearts were touched indeed, but not conquered, until the servant of God struck another chord. Would they not make this sacrifice for the sake of their son they loved so well? Let them offer it up in suffrage for the relief of his poor soul. God, he promised them, it had been revealed to him from above, would most surely accept such an offering. Let them freely forgive the murderer, and then have five masses offered for their dear child. This would suffice in satisfaction for the debt he still owed the justice of God for his past sins. By closing their hearts to the claims of mercy and Christian forgiveness, they, his parents, were at the same time taking out of their own hands the power to help the poor boy who, Gerard knew it, was even then in purgatory. This was enough. Now at length the victory was won the father and the mother could resist no longer. They generously performed everything that was asked of them. A reconciliation was happily effected between the family of the murdered man and that of the murderer. Complete forgiveness extended by the injured ones to him who had so cruelly wronged them, and both families were ever afterwards united together in the bonds of Christian friendship to the edification of the whole locality. We may add that this great miracle of grace for such it might rightly be called, was in God's providence worked by the Holy Spirit to the glory of St. Gerard at Castle Grande, the very place where in youth he had permitted himself out of love for the despised Jesus to be mocked by the boys as a fool in the public streets. To return to Gerard's flying visit to Muro. Our Lord had made use of his servants' visit to that city to secure the salvation of another soul that was in most imminent danger of perishing everlastingly. There lived in Moreau at the time a woman called Catherine Zaccardi, the wife of a jeweler of the place. She had been for several years at enmity with God. Gerard had more than once stayed in her house on previous occasions, but had never until now spoken to her on the sad state of her soul. Indeed, her sins were known only to herself and to the great searcher of hearts. During this visit, however, the saint had a special revelation concerning her secret sins and approaching death. He did not hesitate a moment. Taking his hostess aside, he entreated her with all earnestness to make a good confession without delay, and thus prepared to meet her sovereign judge, for her days on earth were numbered. He bade her remember that unless she laid bare to the physician of her soul the sins that until then were hidden in the recesses of her guilty conscience, she must lose the sight of God for all eternity. Catherine enjoyed perfect health when God in his goodness sent her this solemn warning. Shortly afterwards, however, she was attacked by a dangerous malady, and a few months she was dead. St. Gerard had paid several visits to Melfi and was already well known in that place when, in the year 1753, the bishop asked Father Fiocci to preach a public novena in the cathedral. He requested also, as a special favor, that the Holy Brother might accompany his rector and remain with him while the spiritual exercises lasted. Numerous are the accounts that have been left to posterity of the wonderful conversions operated by St. Gerard at Melfi. At the wish of the bishop, any particularly hardened sinners were entrusted to the care of the servant of God. He spoke to them so winningly and so wisely as to at once to change the most hardened hearts. God was with him, and no one could resist the power that spoke by his lips. He then conducted his prisoners of love to Father Fiocchi, who gladly heard their confession and reconciled them with our Lord. He likewise rescued several secret sinners from the snares of Satan through the supernatural light by which he was able to read in the inmost depths of their soul. In the year 1843, ninety years after the visit to Melfi, a very old man, now nearly a hundred years of age, was able to give the following testimony before the commission appointed to take evidence with a view to Brother Gerard's beatification. I was a mere child, he deposed, when Gerard came to Melfi. To the young people who used to flock around him, he was accustomed always to dwell on the love of God, at the same time urging them to fidelity in the performance of their religious duties. He would usually finish his little discourses by some such words as these, We understand one another, then, do we not? We are going to give ourselves up altogether to the good God. He then signed our foreheads with the sign of the cross and gave us little pictures of Our Lady of Seven Dolores. He was most mortified, charitable, and kind towards the poor. He was wont to rob himself of food in order to be able to give to the needy. Once I saw him deprive himself even of his shoes and stockings to hand them over to a beggar. But that which was most remarkable in him was his zeal for the conversion of sinners. THE CONVERSION OF SINNERS Of a truth, this was the one consuming passion of St. Gerard's heart. End of chapter 8 Recording by Catholic Saints Info